what you never gonna be Look the other way, what I'm doing ain't easy Bloody hands stain from the people who deceive me Bloody hands break through the chains, go free me People like sheep, move feet, hurt it easy You don't wanna be fast asleep when they see me Better stand tall, ready for the fight, believe me When they try the chains, you can say no, free me So he's been looking Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Geek Outlet Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Mr. William D. Morgan. I have a cast of thousands with me, but we also have a special guest tonight. Oh, man, he's got, and I was impressed. He has a second issue cover, and I was just telling him I'm very impressed with it, and he might be a little bit mad at me because I'm going to put the cover up first, but this cover is awesome. That cover is all that got that has quarter hours written all over it, and I'm loving it. But let me go ahead and bring the man who's responsible for that book. Here's our special guest tonight. Let me bring in Richard Dury. Richard, how you doing, man? Hey, hey, thanks for having me on, man. I'm really glad to be here. It is a great cover. William Russell did that for me. It was one of my first covers that I uh, commissioned with an artist, and very proud of it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, and uh, appreciate you being on as well. Let me go ahead and bring the rest of my crew on, and we'll get started. Let me bring in my girl. She is the cosplay and the TikTok queen. Let me bring my girl, Caddy and Cat. What's up? How's it going, guys? How's everybody doing tonight? Hey, what's going on, Cat? How you doing? Oh, yeah. Doing good, living the dream, you know. There you go. There you go. Next up, oh, he found his hat. He finally found his hat. <laughs> Ambrose, what's up, man? <laughs> you taught me. <laughs> I was trying to get a quick bite in before you got me home. <laughs> Apologies to our guest. You're good. You're good, man. Uh, the nightmares persist, but I endure. White Sox fan? Yankees fan, actually, but I, I just like the history of the White Sox. So that's, that's cool. I guess you could say so. Yeah. Baseball history. That's awesome, man. That's yeah. great. That's his lucky hat. And finally, Chulis, bring... Chulis Joe should be in the Hall of Fame. That's my point. Yep. And yeah, I agree. And finally, they bring in my man, my main man. Man's been doing this with me for upteenth years. We've been rent my man Shaw in. Shaw, what's up? So, what's up, everybody? How y'all doing tonight? Doing good, man. How you doing, bro? Chilling, chilling. All right. So let's get the let's, let's get the let's get the Mr. Mr. Richard up here because I have some questions. So Whoa. Shoot it. Yes. So what, how long was this, your first cover, this story, how long has this been going um, from your, from the top of the top of the brain to right, right now? How long, how, how long did, did that manifest before you put out the position? You know, when you're a writer, uh, you have to write when the lightning is there, when you have that inspiration. About 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I was playing D&D with one of my buddies He'd never played before. He wanted to play, but he wanted to play with the guy with guns. He says, I'm not playing magic. I'm not playing bow and arrow. I want to have real handguns. And I said, you can't do that in D&D. So he says, I'm not going to play. So I had to sit down and create him a character that I could portal back in time when he had guns, but then he wouldn't have to actually, you know, get new ammo back in the day. He had to actually have the ammo in himself. So I had a lot of creating to do, and I actually created a new magic system for D&D that I've imported into this comic series or from Bloodline. It's it's crazy. It's crazy. You have a blood disorder. So your pain is there. You have trauma. And then you connect it with cybernetics, some kind of like bio machinery. And then together 
you don't die from the blood disorder. You actually get advanced to have a blood power to use to fight villains or to be a villain. Either you know, go either way. Uh, right. It's it's really a cool way of doing it because you're using real science and using real biology, and you're creating a fantasy world from what we literally could do ourselves today around us with what we have. Wow. Let me go ahead and bring in someone who I think you are quite familiar with. He's my he, he's my brother from another mother. He hosts two shows here on Geek News now. Probably the busiest man in podcasting that I know other than myself. Host MCU Mondays and Cantina, Cantina Happy Hour. Can't talk tonight. Let my man David in. David, what's up? Hey, hey, how's it going? Long time, Dave. How you been? Alive and kicking. <laughs> we'll say that. There you go. There I'm you this go. side of the daisies. There you go. Yeah. Still in the number though. Yeah. I'm still in that number two. So hey, can't beat that. Um, but but let me get back to Richard real quick. I got I got some more questions. What are some of the other could you describe some of the other characters that are involved? Like who the main character is, if anyone is um yeah. who else is attached to it? Right, right. Yeah. So the main character comes from america he's a teenager uh, his parents are trying to save him from this pain so they bring him to where obviously where the human experiments happen wuhan china i mean that's what that's what we're thinking about he gets brought over to china and he gets put through his human experiments he gets added to his body as these as bio machinery and you know the parents can't pay the bill the mafia wants to keep him in the underworld he's the secret one with the secret blood disorder that can then, you know, be translated into a blood power. So they off the parents and they get thrown into the orphanage with the other human experiments who are also of the bloodline. And uh, they, uh, they're they going about the underworld in China. It's a crazy world. And, you know, the, the crazy part in real life is when I was getting this published in China, I went over to call over there to see if I can get some of my um, Chinese public publishers to work with me. They wouldn't print the book. Oh, wow. They had China in a bad light. On yeah. the cover, you know, we have the American flag and we have the Chinese flag right here on the cover, number one, in my graphic, uh, in that art from the graffiti artist, beautiful cover, but it has China in somewhat of a bad light there, you know, human experiments, you know, all that stuff. So the, the government told them they couldn't print my book. I had to, I had to, I couldn't use them. They refused the money. Wow. So, so I have, I have a question on, on that note. Um, cause this is of course your baby. This is, you know, something you clearly put a lot of thought, time and right. blood, sweat and tears into say the magical dream happens and you get a movie, right. Or a TV show, right. Sure. Is that not, is, is that without compromise? Does China have to be part of the plot? Or if like NBC says it's gotta be a different country, what do you do? The cool thing about Orphan Bloodline is, uh, I mean, what what you probably want to hear is like, I'll never break my. No, I just want to answer, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll be all like belligerent to them. No, you may not. Uh, the cool thing about Orphan Bloodline, my series, is it has characters from all over the world. It has Mayan characters, Persian characters, Russian, German, English, Canadian wrestlers, Canadian wrestlers of all things. And we have characters all over the world. So we could pick a, a layout wherever we chose and the, and the story would still play. In fact, that's actually what really got me excited about this storyline. Isn't just because, okay, so let's create um, bimbo zombies, something. Okay. Comic book, sell it on Kickstarter, move forward. No, I, I didn't go that route. I wanted to build a whole world. You know, I wanted to build a deep, prolonged story. And so I have writers who are coming to me saying, hey, can I write my story in your world? 
I'm just going to do it from my perspective, or I'm going to do it with my style of art for my country. Uh, and since we do focus on, as I see right here, this is about one of our tarot cards. It's a side story from the bloodline. It's done in ukiyo-e style, the old Japanese, imperial Japanese art style, which I'm a huge fan of. Uh, anybody that wants to do art in their country style or in, from their country's background or a history, anytime in history, Caesar, you know, from Rome, they can do it. And it fits right into our to our world. So I spent a lot of time building the world. It doesn't matter if it's in China or not. I, I think it's cool because it's prescient. Uh, I have a part in uh, a future issue that takes place in Palestine. And I mean, the world jumped ahead of my story. I was going to say third intifada, third intifada. But I guess we're already we're already there. So. Very cool. Thank you. Anybody, anybody want to? I don't do you, want to take up all the time. Do you want to ask more questions? Do you still have the uh, the, the spices? Because oh. <laughs> yes, there it yes. is. It's, <laughs> it's it's great on chicken. Loving it. We got we got tons of spices. We got them all over the place. I'm I'm the sauce guy in my career. Uh, I'm an entrepreneur, and I co-founded a, a, a spice and craft beer shop. So I took our best seller. I'm just going to try some right here on the online. I'm just going to try some of this rub because it's so good. You guys don't get any. You can't have any. But, but oh, I've, got, I've got some. I got a bottle. Oh, you, oh, you, oh, because you got it for me at the event. At, the, at Fort, Fort, Fort Worth, yeah. What do you think oh. about it? Give us your honest opinion. What do you think? Oh, loved it. I love it. It's uh, it's my, my son and I both use it on our – we have an air fryer. We fry chicken. Uh, Guess what goes on? There, there you, you go. go. Yeah. There you go. So I think here's really the a big question on all of this. I know you just had the Kickstarter for third yeah. portion of the story. Yeah. For anybody that missed that Kickstarter, are you guys accepting late pledges? Oh, yeah. And, you know, we're easy going. We don't worry about following the rules. If you want to send me money, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's right. Uh, the thing about Kickstarter right now, and this may be a topic we can go into, is it's tough out there, man. It is tough right now. Uh, I think a year ago, two years ago, five years ago, it was like killing it. And still some people do very well, but uh, it was uh, it was tougher for me this time around. I would say that part of it was my fault. I mean, because I like to do Kickstarter the way it was created to do it. So I, I do you know half the book of art and half the book of the story and all that. And then I go through the Kickstarter and then I finish it up after I get the money from the Kickstarter. So it's not all done today. We finished the Kickstarter last week, but the book is only halfway done. And some Kickstarters, they're sending it out right now. You're getting it the day after, you know. But for me, I actually use the money to pay for the artists. And I think not having the art done caused me to get some uh, people to, to pass me by, is what, I'm, what I would say. What do you guys think about that? Hmm. As someone who avidly buys a ton of stuff on Kickstarter, um, you know, <laughs> that is never something that's... Because a lot of the projects, even when I'm doing things like... Um, 3D print models where yeah. it's just files. I know that those files are not necessarily going to be ready the day after that Kickstarter. Right. I mean, some of them it's 30 days, some of it it's six months, some of them are even like, hey, we're going to be spreading these launches out for these over a year. Right. Because you have to test it. Like you said, just with the artist, you're mm -hmm. still contracting the artist. You need to go have everything go through proofs. Um, yeah. There's there's a really big process that kind of goes into that. Right. And as someone who's probably been with like a buyer on Kickstarter um, for probably 10 years. Yeah. So right around the same time Kickstarter kind of started, um, you may have buyers like me who like we understand the risk. Right. Um, but even when when it's backed by and because obviously we know some large companies are also using Kickstarter for things. 
Um, I mean, I have board games that are that I backed right. on Kickstarter for big companies. Yeah, that they were delayed in shipping for two and a half, three years. <clears throat> wow. Yeah, but that makes it like Christmas. I'm like, oh, it's a box. What did I order? What What is this? Oh, yeah. that thing on Kickstarter I backed way back when. You know? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I no, have a buddy that lost faith in Kickstarter because he donated to uh, what's the Mega Man video game, Mighty Number no. Nine. I heard about that. Yeah, <laughs> he was just like, yeah. why did I do that? <laughs> well, I mean, it, that's the thing. I mean, there is always a risk that the, the project isn't going to be complete, but that is those are sometimes, unfortunately, the fundamentals of dealing with a startup. Yeah. Um, yeah. So have what? I had a couple that I lost on? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, um, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to follow you uh, because I'm gonna need more backers. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I have a, I have a question for you, if Cat's done. Yeah. Okay. So you know, this is the best. The great thing about crowdfunding is like you put so much work into this, and now you can get the money in. You can uh, you can you can put it into motion, and and you can get your thing rolling. Um, and you seem really determined. So how would you approach this if there was no crowdfunding? Like we're back in the 90s, comics are in a boom. Mm-hmm. Image isn't really taking your calls, but you really want to get this thing published. Like mm-hmm. how would how would you uh how would how would you do it without crowdfunding if if you had to do it? Right. Yeah, the uh the answer is the same way it was done back then, which is you just afford it. You know, you call up your buddies and you say let's do it together or you just save your money from work. Uh, or you have to learn to draw yourself. A lot of people back in the day, they were the artists and the writers. So, I mean, you just have to make it happen. And uh, to be honest with you, my story, I've already written something like 20 comics worth of story. And these are 36-page stories. So that's a lot of writing uh, in, in the paneling and laying it out and the dialogue. It's all there. So you're uh, maxing out your comic. Like, you're, you're solid 36-page each comic. There's there's no, like, thin ones. They're all they're all just solid. Uh, yeah. Now, now, when I say 36, and this is something of a, of a discrepancy. When I say 36, I'm talking about including the cover front and back. The whole right, book right, is 36 right. pages. Yeah. Right. I and, mean, the cover's got art on it. That counts to me. Right, right. And so every book's going to be 36 pages. I already played that out. It's going to happen. Uh, all of my dialogue and paneling and, and paging is all written out. Um, I have been told by other publishers that I've, I, I respect people in, on Facebook and such. They say I'm, I'm you know, screwing a pooch. I should go for 24 only max and just end it. I just don't think so because that's not what the story tells me. And I'm trying to have the characters lead. I'm not trying to have the money lead or the marketing lead or me lead. I'm trying to have the story lead the lead the game. And if the story takes 29 or 32 or whatever it takes, that's what the story takes to get that issue done. Now I'm okay with that. Speaking of characters, I want to know who the bad guy is and what makes the bad guy in the story such a threat. Oh man, you know, I was It's a good one. Yeah. I, I I've got the first two episodes or first two episodes. Did you did you read it? Oh yeah, I loved it. Oh man, I really appreciate you saying that. He's only saying that for GNN right here. Right here. <laughs> <laughs> the, the only problem is here. Here's the only issue that I have with those first two comics is cool. I was sitting there in Fort Worth with you and I didn't get you to sign them. Oh, That's the only problem. So uh, I've got the two, but I just I uh, they're not they're not they're not signed. So. Uh, I'll, I'll find you some other time. We'll get it yeah, done. Yeah, I will for sure. And uh, listen to this. Listen to this. This is part of the benefit of doing this indie comic style is I now have an editor for my books. Going forward, Morgan 
Quaid. If you've heard of him, he's done a lot of great books. He just did Dusk Witch. He's done probably 24 comics, four novels, and three uh, screenplays. He's out of Australia. And uh, great, great guy. I asked him to edit my book for me, and he did. He did an amazing job story editing. Not looking for semicolons and commas, but like story editing. Pages gone, pages added. I mean, the whole thing. And he did so well for me that I'm actually going to, when I do the graphic novel here, when issue six is finished, we're on three is now kickstarted and done. We're doing issue four in January. When six is done by the end of next year, we'll graphic novel it all in. And I'm adding four full pages to issue one that you have not seen and don't know about. And it is the first four pages before what you've already read. And it's going to be, throw, I mean, it's really yeah. a cool addition. And this okay. is what indie can do. I can do this because I'm the one doing it, you know? And when I get people like Morgan or people like giving me advice, like you saying, hey, what about the bad guy this, or give, give me some feedback, I can input that into the story. That's what makes indie so great. We can change it up. We're, we're loose and loosey-goosey here. Can I see the bad guy one more time? You got him on, a, yeah. on, a, on the other cover? Yeah, so this is the bad guy here. His name is Ju Long. Okay. Which is a uh, Chinese name for That's a cool uh, sword. strong as or firm as a dragon. Uh, he's actually not. I think it was you who said this. Uh, I think he's not a bad guy. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's the bad guy. But is he the best bad guy? He's like, is he the coolest character in the book? I, it's hard to say if he's bad. Does he kill people? Yes. Is he a drug pusher and a, and a brothel owner? But then again, does he save the world? I mean, this is the hard decisions. I mean, what we do in our life, does that mean that we are, is it black and white or is there a lot of gray? So would you put him in the same category as like later Magneto where he's an anti-villain as opposed to a complete yeah. bad guy? Maybe yes, like that's exactly where he's at. Punisher or something? I don't think Punisher. Punisher no, is Punisher's an anti-hero. Punisher's yeah, just a psychic. Would you count him more as an anti-hero or so an anti-villain? I would say that uh, the main character, Ace, who is this guy, mm. uh, I would say that he's more of like the Punisher. He's getting revenge. He's mad. He has skills, but he's not crazy. Okay. And then I would say that Ju Long, who's the main villain, if you will, I would say he's more like Magneto. He has a mission. He's a zealot for his cause, but he also is smart, and he's, he's, uh, he's very conniving, spy-like, and secretive. Um, but he's okay killing people if that's what it needs to happen, if that needs to happen. And there's a part of the story that I, I would love to share with you guys. Oh, man. But I can't tell you until issue four because that's when it's revealed. Issue four is like there's this huge, deep part of Julong's backstory that will make you sometimes maybe maybe cry at how this happens. And you don't have in this. I don't think I've seen this in comic book stories in the past. It's so... In my mind, it's so new. Maybe because I'm the writer, I'm involved in it. But it is crazy what happens in the fourth issue. Now, nice. well, one thing you mentioned is that this kind of came to be out of a D&D campaign. Right. Like, how do I make this happen? Yeah. Um, with this, like, in the writing, is there a way for you to incorporate that into your own 5e campaign? My uh, my buddy, uh, he is a professional tabletop both dm and book writer and book collector he's like really into it it's his ultra hobby and i asked him if he would write a, a 5e tabletop rpg with me in this world because the, the magic is so different let me just tell you about the character again ace uh so let me tell you about him he has a blood disorder it's hemochromatosis this is going to get us back to the D, D part 
He has hemochromatosis. It's a real disorder. All my disorders are all real in real biology. What it is, is it makes your body hold on to metal, especially iron. You can't get rid of it. Now, our bodies, we digest it and it shoves it out and we're done. No worries. But his body can't. He has to have dialysis to pull the metal out of the blood. And he's going through all this financial expense with his parents. He's suicidal. He's, he's very emaciated and he's thin because he's not eating food because the more he eats, then he has to do more dialysis to get the metal out of his blood. I mean, this is a bad, a bad way. So uh, he decides he's not going to commit suicide because his family's motto is you got to be a hero in your own life. You have to overcome your adversity, just like Jordan Peterson all teaches all of us, which I love Jordan, by the way. So I put his little quote in there with a dash JP because I just really wanted to honor that. I'm a fan of his work too. I'm glad I'm in, you know, company that I can admit that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Ace, his name is Asen. Uh, his mom's a chemist. She finds this, Wuhan, China, experimental human, you know, work going on there. Bring him over to China. This is a, a variant cover. This is the mad scientist. She attaches biomachinery onto him with his bracers, which are like micro dialysis machines and pull the metal out of his blood through his wrist veins magnetically. And then compact. This is the very end of issue two. Compact that metal into micro bullets and shoots the bullets out of rail guns that attach to his 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 bio bracers. So now he's shooting his own blood bullets out of his body as long as he eats. You portal him back to D&D Wizard, pulls him back from the future, puts him into the game with our characters of the elf and the dwarf, what have you, and he has to choose who he's going to shoot until he runs out of ammo and has to do a rest for four hours again, you know, and re rehamp, revamp his food and his metal in his blood. So this is the character background how I use this, this magic of biology along with cybernetics to create, you know, a, a power, a blood power of some kind. So we're not shooting ice balls and we're not doing psychic attacks. We're actually doing biology and, and biomachinery. Another character is a uh, manga and she's not manga because she's actually named after manganese, who <laughs> is the, with the, which is the element. All of the characters have their own periodic table element, which impacts them. It's very cool. We have platinum, we have nickel, we have, we have all these different elements because we're bringing lots of science in. But Manga, she has the ability called hyperhemoglobin, which means her hemoglobin, which carries your oxygen to your cells, it's really advanced and, and, and hyperactive. So now his her cells are healing faster because they have more oxygen and more nutrients. And so she has a micro healing ability, not not like Wolverine. You know, this is not one of those games, but a micro healing ability better than ours. So they put uh, a... Um, a cybernetic eyeball into her head, which normally would fry your brain, but because of her healing, she's not being fried. And now she has this ability to use these, you know, vision, depth perception, micro vision, you know, x-ray vision, thermal, thermal vision, all these things. Um, one of the cool parts that she uses is she controls a, she can control a drone with her eyeball and see what the drone is seeing through her eyeball. So there's all these cool cybernetic adaptations you can do. And I think you can port that into a D&D tabletop game. You just pick your skill set. In this case, your technology. You pick your, your blood disorder. In this case, it would be like your your backstory, you know, what, what trauma you've come through. I think it makes sense. Now, if I remember right, reading the comics, each one of these characters, as they're introduced, they, they have like a – there's like an actual – I don't want to say character sheet, but something comes up within the comic book that, that says, <coughs> okay, here's – 
here's so and so, and here's his right. skill set, and this is what he what what he suffers from, what his right. biomechanics are, things like that too. So on this page here, you can see this is where I have the bad scientist and her character stuff is right there, her character dossier. Now I have I have a full eighty four page source book, eighty four pages. That goes through religion, politics, uh, factions within the bloodline, history, gods, you know, all of it. So uh, you already have character Bibles. Yeah, exactly. There's a whole character dossiers. Wow. There's um, sacred ancestral items of power. There, There's uh, blood disorder possibilities that you, you can even choose to create your own character through the data in the source book. I took some of those and placed them in the actual comics maybe as a way to point people to the source book and possibly sell the source book. I mean, got to make some money, you know, so I'm pointing oh, people yeah. toward more information. Hopefully they're interested in one of the feedbacks that I got from my new editor is that those dossiers are a little bit too long. I need to shorten and tighten them up. And this is all what the feedback that I'm getting. I'm getting these little tiny feedbacks to make the thing, make the story better. One of them that I've implemented just, uh, just now I'll show you right here on the bottom of this page, you see this little QR code. You had Darth. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Tell me what you thought about that, Darth. It was great. It was awesome. The QR code, you scan it, and it basically opens YouTube to a, a song or piece of music that goes with the scene. Basically, it's a soundtrack for the comic book. You're way ahead of the game on that, man. I've never seen that before. That's that's really cool. Yeah, it was really it was really awesome. Pretty cool. And it was, in fact, I think there was even one or two scenes where it said something like they were listening to a specific song right? and, and the QR code zaps you to that specific song. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. usually then, I see a QR code in a comic book and it's either asking me to buy something or bail yeah. Ezra Miller out of jail. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I don't, I don't see anything interactive and that's, that's a really nice touch, man. That's a now, really I, cool. now I did want to ask, um, because in other, when you look at other um, comic book storylines, there's always the strongest in the group. You know, you're always looking at, let's say, like you're looking at the Justice League. You know, physically stronger, Superman is, is, is physically strongest of all yeah. of that team. It, but from what you're describing and telling, it seems everybody is kind of like on an equal playing field. Like there's no strongest of the group. Everybody's equal right. in terms of power. Yeah, I, I would say uh, it's how you use it and what your what your what your skill set is. Uh, in fact, in the in the character dossiers, it goes into what military force would they be? Would they be a tank? Would they be support? Would I mean, what would they do? Right. And their character their character section is is itemized there in the dossier. And the reason I did that was because my kid and I were playing uh, video games and we had to create these teams and. You know, we two tanks, a support, you know, uh, whatever it was, a healer. And uh, I just thought that would be interesting to include. I thought people would relate with that from their own gaming experiences. Um, can I ask a question or does anyone else want to go? Or Oh, go ahead, man. All right. Where do you draw your influences from? Because I'm seeing a lot. Uh, obviously, we've referred to Magneto. Um, it seems like everybody having a power that complements another. You, you got a lot of Fantastic Four in there. The time right. traveling guy with the gun. I'm picking up on like Ash from Evil Dead. So where where do you tap into your influences? I, and it seems like you're using them very well and in a very skilled manner. And and yeah. you're placing them well, very 
very, oh, yeah. uh, uh, for lack of a better word, I'm going to say well again. Um, but you're, yeah, you're doing a great job from your description. I haven't read your books, to be honest, but. No, no, that's great. That's great. Yeah, I, yeah. I take uh, I take an honor that you would say that. I appreciate you calling that out. Um, wh what I'm hearing from you is that you're seeing there's a depth here. It's not just throw something at the screen and then take the money and run. This is where I'm building something that I hope has staying power. I, I agree with that. Where I get my inspiration is this. I didn't get into comic books until I was 30. That was some um, 13 years ago. So I was, I was late to the game. I mean, a lot of people were reading comics in the eighties and nineties. I just wasn't, uh, I was raised, I was born in 79. So I was raised in the eighties and I remember watching the old timey Batman, you know, where it's zing zip, you know, bop and all this. And I thought comic books was that. So I just never got into it. I thought it was a little bit cheesy. But then when I was 30, I had a life change a little bit where I said, you know what? I'm going to shoot my first gun. And I just fell in love with firearms. I fell in love with them. They're just amazing. In fact, I took a lot of uh, uh, left-wing liberal people with me to the gun range. And at the, whereas we're leaving the gun range, I was asking this one girl who's one of my buddies. I said, what do you think about the range? And she goes, don't tell anybody, but I loved it. It was really cool because they, people could actually accept that it was a fun time. That's what it was, a fun time. That's what it was with comics with me when I was 30. I said, I want to get into this. What is it about comics that's so big? And I looked online on what was the best storylines. Not the best characters, not the best publishers, not the best artists. What storyline was the best? I didn't care who published it. And I started reading the uh, Jeff Johns 10-year span of Green Lantern. I started reading... Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Johns was good with Green Lantern and Flash. Yeah, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, with the Flashpoint, right. I yeah. started reading stuff that was old, like uh, Crisis, yep. Infinite Earths. Now, uh, it is old. I'm just going to anybody who's new to Crisis and Infinite Earths who's watching, it is an older book for sure, and some of the characters you won't even recognize. But the story was there. That's what I'm talking about. There's The story brings you. I really loved Craven, I, uh, his last hunt. Uh, I, I really loved um, in the Teen Titans with um, uh, what's that one with the the girl who's uh, has geo powers? Judas Chalice. Yeah, Ju Judas Contract. Contract. Yeah. Judas Tara. Contract. Yeah, Tara that was a great yeah. story. Really turned me around with her switch. I don't care which character it is. I don't care what storyline it is, as long as the story's good. Yeah. And so that's what <clears> I wanted <throat> to do when I wrote the book. Is I wanted to write. I, I hoped this was my goal was to have good writing. That's what I wanted. And I even didn't care as much if the art was great. Now, I'm just new to this. And I have my first two books done. I'm very, very proud of those. But I now understand more that I have to do even better on the art. Because a lot of people do buy for the art. And I need to make sure that the art's premium. Now, my art's okay. It's good. It's fine. You know, it's good. But there's way better artists out there. I'm not saying my guys are, aren't great. They're good. Uh, if you're watching, guys, okay, I, I appreciate your skill. But uh, I may need to improve some of the artists. I may need to, uh, you know, do better editing with my guy, Morgan Quaid. I may need to do better, uh, you know, backstory. I mean, I have to be better. I have to do better. And that's what I've learned in this in this last year and a half. Now, now so if, oh, I'm sorry, Will, were you going to go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, now, what I want to know, we were talking earlier about my background. As this is from the Injustice storyline, you said you wanted to get into it. So what did you think about the Injustice storyline? So... I read Injustice. I read all of them. I read the next ones that are like the supplementals. I read all of them. Played the game. Watched the, the cartoon. Injustice is like this. If you want to hate something and keep reading it because it's written so well, 
then injustice is your game. Because when you read it, you're going to hate it. You're going to feel like there's no way that Batman's going to beat Superman. I don't care how long he stays alive. For 12 years, he's still going to lose because Superman's the best. Some kind of God thing that's going to win. And Superman becomes a God thing. He comes... He becomes a Thanos, you know, and uh, I still don't believe that uh, Iron Man beat Thanos. I thought that was fine, but I don't think it would have happened. I don't think that Captain Marvel would have punched him so hard. I, I think that they played that movie for the heroes and not for the actual Brie Larson is a strong, independent woman, and she can punch who she wants, and whoever she punches is going to fly across the universe. I'm so happy you said that because um, because we don't we don't particularly care for Brie Larson here. So uh. (laughs) this is my Brie Larson right here. This is mine. (laughs) That's a better Brie right there. There you go. Although although I will say this, I'm going to say this: the Marvels are coming out um, next weekend. I've got to go see it because that's going to make twelve people very happy. MCU Mondays, <laughs> uh, and honestly, I'm 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 honestly thinking about I'm, going back to Brie Larson and watching the movie again just to kind of. I'm going back. I'm going to oh, see the man, Marvel. Dave, I'm, Dave. I'm going, there's better things. I can I'm call me. We can talk privately. If you want to do it, see, I can help you. I'm going to see the Marvels because I want to see Spectrum, and that's who I want to see. That's who I want to see. Make her day. <laughs> Sure, well, for power and things like people that. People want to so, see more from Monica Rambo. Yeah, yeah. They what I heard a is a lot I about the character with everything but, she's done. But they do want to see where this goes, mm-hmm. which is where I think that may be the saving grace of the Marvels. In my yeah, opinion, I mean, personally, I heard two people are going to watch the Marvels, so I don't have to. So that's <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Thank you guys for you your know, service. Miss Marvel, I liked Miss Marvel too. You, I was I, yeah. guilty, guilty pleasure. So you deserve. I've got, I've got two out of three at least, so it it can't be all bad. I didn't <laughs> I mean, going back on the comic books, if I can, I mean, I'm kind of a dystopic, uh, uh, um, misanthropic comics fan now. I, I don't buy anything recent in print. There you go. I had. I, I will. Do you? Uh, question one: Is your stuff digital? Do you have oh, anything? Yeah. You do? Okay. Okay. And question two, if you could pick any event, because to me, the last two events that were worth reading are a while ago, when Flashpoint, which was ruined by the new 52 and the mismanagement of the of the whole universe afterwards, yeah. and fear itself. Um, after that, comics just started to not appeal to me. And as someone who has started reading at age 30, did you feel the same way or do you keep reading? Okay. I'm I've read you- comics since I was about six years old. Yeah. And I just became disenfranchised. Well, you see, this is my sleeve. You can see me. I'm all on my sleeves. That means you, this is who I am. Okay. I don't is that a Predators or a Sabres jersey? Blues. 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 Go Stars. Go Stars. Woo. <laughs> Brett Hull is my hero. He's like yeah, the best well, drunk hockey player ever. Yes. Yes. <laughs> So I'm going to be honest. You see my sleeves. I have nothing up my sleeves. I have no secrets. This is how it is. Okay. I'm going to tell you the truth right here on the air. I'm going to get, I'm going to get canceled. <laughs> I, uh, I read. You can only be canceled if you wish to be canceled, sir. So speak away. Well, that, that's, that's fair. That's fair. I read every Green Lantern, every Green Lantern Corps, every New Guardians. I read all of them. Red Lantern Corps. I read all of them. And then. The Green Lanterns became not the Green Lanterns, and they made 
some other two new earthly Green Lanterns to replace Hal Jordan and all of Kyle Rayner and everybody. Everybody's replaced now with these two new ones. <coughs> I'm like, wait a second, guys. Wait a second now. Wait a second now. These Green Lanterns are over some, like, thousands of planets each, right? Is there no other planet in the region of Earth that has anyone that can control will? Only the Americans or only the people on Earth? Yeah. After we had four Green Lanterns, it was just like, come on, guys. Abin Sewer was from a different planet, you know? These people are from other planets. Kilowog. Let's make let's make a character that's not necessarily from Earth again. So I mean, I Christ, Sailor Moon represented more planets than Green Lantern does. You see yeah. that young lady that's you see that young lady that's next to you right there, Miss Cat Holler over there. Yeah, she is like the embodiment of the Red Lantern Corps. That, that, that's what she is. She she oh. loves the Red Lantern Corps. I mean, you know. And she has the cat. <laughs> you have the cat as well. I, I have a couple of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she does. <laughs> But, she, so, but she's the, when, she's the Red Lantern Corps queen, boy. I'm telling you, she loves the Red Lantern Corps. When I started seeing the Green Lantern Corps and the Green Lantern books shift, like the entire industry of comics shifted to start, you know, creating characters that they were just trying to, like, fill voids of some political movement, what have you, I I did not, I didn't like it. I didn't, I didn't like it. It didn't seem like it was storytelling it felt like it was pushed and i i backed away from a lot of comics that time but i will tell you what my favorite comics uh epic you know year-long adventure has been in the last five years and i really think this is great writing i was i was highly surprised i think you're going to be also in love with it if you haven't read it yet this is it you ready mm -hmm. yeah powers of x mm -hmm. with mctaggart Mm -hmm. having powers that nobody knew about, but that seems so real, that seems so genuine that you don't believe it was thrown in there for some kind of like, you know, social reasoning. You felt like it was actually telling the right story of this character. And that really stood out to me as the best, uh, you know, big epic turn that's happened in comics in the last five years. What do you think? Well, I think a lot of I'm sorry I answered first I, I didn't know if anyone wanted to jump in. I think um, uh, what you said rings true, and I think I think a lot of it is is that the egos of the younger writers surpass the talent of of the older writers, and there's no packing order anymore. And the way it used to be when you were in comics is you would come in, and if you were a young artist or young writer, you'd have the Jim Lees and the and the older guys shepherding you into this character mm -hmm. and teaching you about the character and you're writing and they're looking over your shoulder like no 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 he wouldn't do that you know go back go back and and we have a generation of writers that think they know better mm -hmm. than the people that created these characters it's a good point and it's it's um it's really just and they want to they don't want to tell the character story they want to self-insert and tell their story. And, and think, about how, a lot. think about how it transitioned, okay? Uh, in the 80s and 90s, you're totally right. They were there. In the 2000s, they had the internet where they could literally bring up 40 years <coughs> ago, Green Arrow did what? 
You know, what's his backstory? How do I remake it anew? That's what Jeff Johns did. He didn't just think of something out of the out of the wacky left of his brain, which he, maybe he did some, but he used a lot of the backstory that was 30 years ago being built because he had the internet to research these characters' backstories and he had done his research. Today, the generation of the last, let's say, seven, eight, ten years, this generation of writers, they have all that access, but they don't care about it anymore. They just want to write their own thing. They want to do it. It's about them now. It's their story. And, 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 and it's and it's their truth and it's their this and it's their that. Right. And it's like, right. And, and it, it it really the problem with comics today is it disenfranchises the older fans like you and me. Like, I haven't bought a comic in 10 years because I just gave up. Except for Orphan Bloodline. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm being introduced. I'm being introduced to it. Okay. I'm meeting you. You're a very lovely person, and I will check your comic out. I swear. But I mean, I haven't. I haven't bought a mainstream comic. Let's say in ten years, DC or Marvel. I haven't touched them because it just became somebody telling their story, and it's like tell the character story. No, you don't know what you want. Y yes, I do. But I, I want I want the character. I and want the I've character that I like and I've liked for 20 years. I've said it before. When you become disenfranchised with <laughs> the mainstream, that's where the indie comic industry yeah. is there. Yeah. There are and still I, things that are enjoyable in comics. I mean, I probably <laughs> I have a sub list that every week is about this big. Um, and we all know comic books are about yay big. So you right. can guess how many comics I'm picking up every week. Right. Um, yeah. very few of those comics in my world are your Marvel, your DC. Um, if I'm going to go with more known names, there's more Dark Horse, there's more Image. Yeah. Yeah. Devils yeah. do. Yeah, but yeah. even even out of those, I mean, I'm getting into more like Boom Studios comics. Boom because Studios. you know what? Hey, if I don't like where the story's going with, with, with what is considered the big two, really... There's still so much content out there and so much great coming out of the indie comic world right. that hey, you know what? Let me put my money where my where my opinions are, yeah. and I'll go to the indie comics. But I got a question for you, Kate. This is a real question. I want to. Yeah. I want your sleeves up here too. Okay, all on the table here. Um, the problem that I've run into, and I want your feedback here. The problem I've run into with indie, and I've been avidly backing indie. Uh, projects for the last year and a half. I think in the last year and a half, I've probably backed nearly a hundred, which is a lot. You know, it's like every week, right? Mm -hmm. uh, two a week. Uh, I, I want to support them. What I've gotten to is I started reading them and a lot of them aren't really ones that I'll buy number two or three for. Uh, and this is my problem is that we want to support the indie and we want to help them have the cash to get their stories to market. We want to be able to, you know, give them feedback and, and, and all this. But if, if we don't have the golden ticket, you know, that, okay, this is from Marvel. It's 2005. We know it's going to be good. This is from, uh, you know, whatever CNET says it's good. It's probably going to be good. We, we can't trust those people anymore. So we go to the indie comics and now we have nothing to trust. We just have to buy everything to find the little, the few that are really, really, really good. What about if we had some kind of an indie comics award or stamp I approval? I mean, I think the Eisner Awards needs to shift towards that, but it's Kat's question, so I'll yeah, let her no, I, I thought that they had um, something in. Now, it may be like, it's not like a big show, per se, mm -hmm. like you get with, you know, your Marvel, your DC. Even even Dark Horse now is starting to teeter out of the realm of indie, and they're yeah. getting big enough now to where they're really considered mainstream comics. But yeah. their stories are still more 
independent comic stories. Um, and have I picked up some independents where I've read like one and I'm like, yeah, I can't get behind the rest of it. Absolutely. I mean, right. sometimes I grab stuff off the shelf and I'm like, oh, that's four bucks. I'm not getting back. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but every once in a while you stumble into, I mean, I have picked up comics that just the title alone was like, this is going to be ridiculous. Ooh. <laughs> oh, that's pretty. Ooh. That's, that's the kind of covers right there. Um, there was one, like, it was, oh, what was it called? Sergeant Hops. It was a four-issue Is it run. about a rabbit? Yes. Okay, I, I called it. It was about a rabbit that had superpowers and was somehow immortal. And he was a veteran who then had retired after World War II, who was brought back... The stories that was Robert Zemeckis's treatment for Roger Rabbit Two Tomb Platoon. Yeah, the, <laughs> the story was so beyond ridiculous, and it's like a cross between like you know, like Roger Rabbit and like Benicula. <laughs> back in the day. Yeah, See, I was going to go... talk. It has like a handler, and it's just like you turn him out of the cage, and he's like you know Hung Kung Fui, and like mm -hmm. saves the day. It is. The most ridiculous comic ever. But was it entertaining and was it enjoyable? Absolutely. Right. It was hilarious. See, yeah, I went you went thing. with Sergeant Hops and made it a rabbit, and I was going a completely other way. I was thinking, okay, here's a here's Kangaroo. a <laughs> No, actually I was thinking more along the lines of here's a soldier who has retired and is opening his own brewery. Hop. No, 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 this was actually about a rabbit. I think one of the best um independent storylines. Long time ago, she's still known, but long time ago, I loved that Lady Death series. I loved it, and um, and she's still around. Don't get me wrong, but she was really strong back in early two that late nineties, early two thousands. Um, she was awesome, and I still think that storyline is just. Ooh, and I'd like to go back to Richard's point or Rick's point. Um, I think a lot of the problems the comic book industry is unique. Copycat. It's unlike any other media mm -hmm. uh, industry. God, I can't come up with words. Uh, it's unlike any other media industry. I found like I feel like Austin Powers. Allow myself to introduce myself. Um, anyway, uh, I think it's apathy is a killer, and it's especially a killer for for comics. Yeah. If people hate something, that means they're still reading it. If they like something, they're obviously reading it. If no one cares, that's the death knell. And I think it hurts independent comic creators because the big two, I mean, you're independent, but the big two are what draw people to the stores. Yeah. So in the old days where I go in, I'd be like, okay, I want my pull of the Flash. I want my pull of Iron Man. I want my pull. And then I'd go over and see like, oh, Orphan Bloodline. This looks really cool. Like, mm -hmm. let me check a couple of, a couple of these issues right. out. And, you know, I might put this on my pull list, but what DC and Marvel have done is make people disinterested. And when you're disinterested in the big guys, they still survive, but the little guys suffer. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to go back and, and I'm going to go back to what Cal was saying earlier about going to the Indies. One of the things that make me upset, um, if you go back and look at this new power girl. Uh, she's got up. I think she's got up to issue the new Power Girl series. I think it's two or three issues now. <coughs> I hate. Is Power Girl Naomi? And, 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 no. And you've seen no. it in the. And you've seen it in the past. 
I hate copycatting. And what they did with Power Girl is take America Chavez from Marvel, moved her over to DC, moved her over to Power Girl, gave Power Girl a similar power to where she could actually punch her way through dimensions, which is just ridiculous. And <laughs> and I just hate that. Because to <laughs> your point, Ambrose, it takes away from Power Girl's continue. Continu- how can I say it? Uh, it? It takes away from what she was beforehand, which was super old school Superman's cousin, and made her to something completely different. And I, 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 I don't understand why you would need to do that with a character like her. I, what's I, further confused me is America Chavez is a character no one wanted. Let me show you. Let me show you a character that's crazy. Cat uh, had me thinking about this. This is a, this. Look at this. This is what I put together. I actually got this from my daughter back in the day, and I put it together for her. Look at this. Oh, my oh God. Wow. Look at this. Yes. It's a shame my wife's in bed. She lo- I've got to tell her oh to watch it. Isn't that awesome? That is amazing. Yeah, yeah I wasn't a, wasn't a fan of the movie, but sure. The comic, but, I mean, the comic, comic you don't like kangaroo ice, cu- ice tea? No, I didn't like kangaroo ice tea. We were talking about you know crazy characters and Tank Girl's totally crazy and I'm I'm actually selling this on eBay because I I my daughter is not interested in comics and this is what Ambrose is saying here is that when they're ambivalent to what is being created then they go to anime that's what they do you know and anime is killing it I mean it's killing it yeah, uh, I, I, watch, I was watching anime tonight I was watching Kingdom I love that anime it's my favorite even, even so, bad I mean, anime even made, bad anime is killing it. And I think the thing with that is because the Japanese care about the story first. Right. And when you have manga and anime, they're sitting in the room and they're like, how can we make this story good? Yeah, and in America, yeah. they're sitting in a room trying to write a story and there's some dork with a clipboard at the end of the table like, Twitter's not going to like that, guys. Right. So we, we got we to get rid of that idea. It's problematic. But the problem that gets me, though, <laughs> they don't leave it. They don't leave it in that style. It yeah. gets over here, it gets rewritten, and it's bad anime. If you go back and look at Fire Force over in Japan, it's fantastic over there. You get Even it some of the here, Sailor Moons. Where's some of the it, Sailor Moons? I mean, just... you, you get it over here, Fire Force is terrible. Same thing with Radiant. Radiant is great over there. It, it's terrible over here. It gets lost in translation when everything gets Americanized. Well, it's also the difference when you go between sub and dub. Yeah, because even sometimes there's some anime that like I have started watching them in subtitled and then maybe something happened and I wanted to go back and watch it, but I can only find a dubbed version. Right. And it's a completely different story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the, you have to look for the faithful ones like Cowboy Bebop, I think is one of the best dubs. Yeah. And um, good. Trigun has a good dub. But a lot of them is is just when when you're right when things get Americanized it just now it, look at look at what, yeah. look what we're doing look what we're doing here Ambrosia's right again we have some love and we have some hate on the anime that's what we're doing right here we're loving and we're hating and so we're we're reading and we're watching but is comics in that same vein is is what we Ambrose just said is that actually happening on this podcast right now are we getting involved with our anime but we're maybe we're not as interested in some of these comic history stories. And, you know, I had a, I had a battle when I was first drawing and, and creating Orphan Bloodline a year and a half. I said to myself, 
do I do it in anime style? Do I, you know, write it backwards in black and white? Is that the what right. is that the medium that I use? So it's a medium. It's 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 like your oils or your pastels or your, it's your watercolor. This is your medium. Do I do it in anime? I asked my daughter. I said, "Hey, I'm writing a comic book." And she goes, "Is it an anime?" And I said, "No, it's a comic." She goes, "I won't read it." That's what she said. And I was like, "But this is my daughter." And so, I don't know. I feel like I'm stuck in a hard place here because I think comics are a much better medium than the mangas, for sure. But the anime is better than our cartoons, except for the dark ones by DC, which seem to be really good usually with, with Batman. Those do really well. But most most uh, cartoons with Marvel heroes, they're just not that great. But the animes are really great. So is it a TV versus a print issue? I mean... I, it's a battle, and I, and I think you're, I think you also have fewer people that want to read. Yeah, like yeah, that, yeah. And the thing with comics, one thing that like we always go out and support Free Comic Book Day because a lot of times those yeah. events support the Stan Lee Foundation, which is a organization designed to to promote literacy. Because let's if we we're all most of us here are old enough. We were all born in like the late seventies, early eighties. Yep. To remember when there was a really high adult illiteracy rate. And you're starting to see that again. This is true. And some of that came from, um, let's face it, some textbooks are written in a ridiculous language that makes no sense. So if you have people that didn't get those reading fundamentals as kids, now they're adults, walking around with like something simple like Dr. Seuss, that's the... Oh, why are you carrying Dr. Seuss? Yeah. But most comic books are written in a medium that is still a learning point, but no one's going to question someone in their 40s walking around with comic books. Right. Um, right. But I do think that some of why anime is becoming more popular is because, and not even the manga side, because when it comes to anime fans, I know more anime fans that just watch anime Mm-hmm. And have never read the mangas they're based on. Oh yeah, mostly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, I have a cousin. The kid, he's in college. I'm like, what are you doing? It's Saturday night. You're gonna go, you know, out to the bar, he's gonna chase some girls. He's like, nah, it's almost 10. I gotta catch one piece. <laughs> I'm like, all right, man, do what you do. I think, I think, I think one of but but I will say in some instances, comics have gotten better. Um, we got Transformers issue one that just came out. And um, you got Starscream coming. That's at still you. under IDW. And, and yeah, this and, is their last under IDW. This last, yeah, last run. Yep, yep. Yeah. And the new TMNT uh, was it called Ronin? That was very popular. That's Ronin. Yep, that was good too. But um, you got Starscream coming back, being that dude. Because in, in in issue one, he killed Bumblebee, shot Skyfire, and only Octopus Prime was the only dude that was able to take him out. Then once he came to, he went out and killed a human. So now you sort of kind of get a <sighs> all that a want to go see and, and maybe even pre-order issue two just to see how the right. rest of it goes. <laughs> it's um, maniacs. It's maniacs, man. But you put but now it just makes you kind of look like you have to have some type of yeah, like a shock factor or shock value to right. make to sell your second issue. And I don't know if you if you really need to do that. And another issue with comics stateside, um, I, I'm not going to mention the guy's name because I, I spoke to him a couple years ago, and I'm I'm still not sure if I can use his name, so I'm going to just omit it. 
Uh, but he's an artist. He's worked for DC, Marvel, a bunch of other publications. Um, not going to say which one he works for now. But he said the problem with American comics is they spend too much money. And they don't get the return on the investment. And they're not, they're not marketing to kids. They're marketing to people who are already fans. And you're not getting the new revenue in. You're not getting the young kids. You're not getting the six-year-old John or the six-year-old Ambrose that would go into the go in and save up his money and buy a bunch of cable comics. Yeah. You're appealing to 40-year-old people that are already fans, and when they die, you die. Right. And I, and I, I'm, I'm so sorry. And uh, he said another two things that are killing them are the trade paperbacks, because people say, sounds like a great story, I'll wait for the trade, All so right. the floppies yeah. don't sell, and the variants. Yeah. When yeah. you factor in the variants, he said it costs about the budget of a of a independent television show to publish one comic, and and you're not making your money back. If yeah. you don't make your money back, you're tanking. Right. And and um, yeah. And well, it, this it, is this is what what you're talking about. This is uh, we mentioned the Marvels earlier. I read the graphic novel for <coughs> Miss Marvel. And hey, I'm I'm gonna be very proud of my wife here. When I met her, and still today, she has this the, the old black with the lightning striped Miss Marvel uniform. You know, the swimsuit is oh, it's oh, it's beautiful. But the new Miss Marvel comes out, and she's some young girl, and I'm like, this isn't the same one that my wife was. But let me just see what it's about. And she ends up being like Mr. Fantastic, you know, like Elastic Girl or whatever. And uh, I thought it was okay, but. When I look back on it, it was just written for there to be a movie. Yeah. That's what it was written for. It wasn't yeah. written yeah. for the comic. It and, was written for there well, to be a movie. And yeah, no disrespect to that actress that plays Miss Marvel because she seems like a really nice person and she's a really good actress. She didn't do a bad job with the show. But this is a case of a character that no one wants that is being forced upon the audience. The book has already been canceled three times and they're bringing it back again. Mm -hmm. well, and the please. show suffered bad mm -hmm. viewership, although I will say everyone that has watched the show has thoroughly enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's that, and, it, and, it, and it's not for all intents and purposes a bad show, but it's a character that doesn't appeal to people, and they that's, keep that's trying to shoehorn it in. That's why she got a show instead of a movie. Right, right. But, the show, but the show cost as much as a movie, so what was the point? Well, here's the other thing with that, too, is the show was, let, let's face it, we were not the target audience. Right. And so part of the reason why it suffered from viewership is people our age have gotten used to things like Loki, the Mandalorian, things that follow along that storyline that are designed right. for the adult audience. Right. Miss Marvel was trying to do exactly what you're talking about, which is bring in that younger audience into the fold. But the only people who were sitting down and watching it were the people that already had the fan, already knew the fan base. Because it really, right. it was it was designed for a teenage audience. It wasn't designed for us. Even and if right. we enjoyed it, we weren't the intended target. But I in print, ask. though, did the character, in print was, you got to look at what the numbers were. And in print, the character was canceled multiple times. Mm -hmm. Did it really deserve a show? Uh, honestly, and, and this is from my perspective. I had no desire. In fact, Miss Marvel was one of my least favorite. And when I heard they were doing a show, I was like, why? Why? This is the show that no one asked for. I couldn't stand the character. I hated it. But I, uh, you know, 
MCU Mondays. You got to watch it. You got to see what's going on with the MCU. <laughs> it's my job. It's my job. So you sit and watch it, and you're like, oh, my God. This has just put a completely new light on this character, and I don't necessarily – she's not my favorite character by any means, but now I don't have the animosity that I had towards her initially. I'm like, that, okay, you know, this is the character I, I, I like now because of because of the show. The show That's what uh, Arrow did for Green Arrow. Green Arrow really wasn't that liked, but when Arrow came out the first – I don't know six seasons, and they were amazing. They were they were page turners, if you will, uh, for binging on TV. Real yeah. quick, um, Green Arrow was kind of like Moon Knight, where you'd release them and it would sell good for at least fifty issues, and then you'd be like, okay, this run is done. Let's shelve them. We'll bring them back like the McRib. Give it about like five or six years. Um, you know, but like Miss Marvel was universally in print disliked. People just didn't buy it, and they kept and they keep canceling it. And now they're trying to make her an X Man, and and it's just now people are just aren't going to buy. It. They're already having problems with the X Men because every month it's X Men go to prom or some stupid concept that I can't wrap my head around. I'm sorry. Calm down, John. Okay. It's X person. Um, <laughs> but I did want to ask you, Rick. I did want to ask you, Rick, about um, yeah. and you know, and, and we can we can after I ask you this, we'll go around uh -huh. for final round of questions. I like that. I saw that in the uh, workup. Um, is that Battle Toads? No, no, that's uh, Orphan Bloodline. Orphan this Bloodline. This is my comic. Look at this. I like Look at this. I like that. Hey, you have. Oh, you put it on the video game? Yeah, he put this. He put the cover on the video game. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. But I do want to ask you this because everybody here knows next to Brie Larson, next to Brie Larson, the only the, the biggest character, biggest Marvel character that I hate is Hawkeye. I can't stand him. I think he. I, I think he's useless. I. I hate. Oh, I hate him. And, and I get the. And I get the show. And I get the show. Um, probably wasn't for me. Um, I did enjoy seeing uh, Haley uh, Stansfield, I think her name was, the actress. I enjoyed seeing her. I just hate Hawkeye. Um, how do you I feel about Hawkeye? <laughs> am, I, am I wrong for hating on him? Am I incorrect in my thought oh, well, I'll give you a one-word answer, two-word answer. You're wrong. <laughs> Hawkeye is actually very good. He's way better in the shows than the book, actually. Oh, man. I thought it was, I thought it was yeah, West Coast Avengers. I'll give him that. I'll give him I, that. I think the disconnect with Hawkeye and Nick Fury between the films and the books is that Hawkeye and Nick Fury are an amalgamation of the Ultimate Universe and the right. 616. Yeah. And Hawkeye, that, that, Hawkeye was a misstep, in my opinion, in the movies. Because his story in the 616 is a lot more compelling than his story in the Ultimate Universe. Yeah, his story in the Ultimate is no story. That's his yeah, story. And, his story. and they really should have taken him from the 616. Fury, I mean, we all knew from 10 years before Marvel even made a Nick Fury, Nick Fury in a movie that it was going to be Samuel L. Jackson because they drew him exactly like Samuel L. Jackson yeah. in the yeah. Ultimate Universe and yeah. said, Samuel L. Jackson is going to be Nick Fury in the movie. Did you forget about David Hasselhoff? <laughs> Yo, David Hasselhoff yes. played Nick Fury, sir. Don't hassle the Hoff. Okay? Um, 
Come on, man. Why you got to bring up the Hoff? Okay, this isn't Germany. That's like that's like the Chuck Norris. That's like a Trump card. <laughs> I, I win. Anybody, anybody got any uh, other questions for Rick before we let him go? He's been with us an hour. Um, I got to show you these real fast. Look at these. Go ahead. Go ahead. Reflective, Ooh, the tarot? reflective tarot cards sealed, and they're graded by me, so they're not like professionally graded, but they look like they are. Right. Aren't right. They okay. sweet? Which one's an A plus? I'll take that one. <laughs> <laughs> these are so sweet. They're holographic, and uh, they match the covers. Oh, these are all the three for uh, issue three. It just got funded. These are the three covers for issue three. And we Ooh. have the ones for issue one and issue two. And you match up the book with the tarot card sealed at the Comic-Con. You, you buy them together. You know, 20 bucks, you get both. It's a, I think it's a cool upgrade. That's something That's cool. I want to give the people who are watching who may want to get into comic merch. This is an excellent way to go. It's very, very, very affordable to get done. If you get it done by people who can't print bad Chinese stuff, uh, they're the ones to print this very inexpensively, if you follow. Let me so, ask you a question. Let me ask you another question as we wrap things up here. Where can people find your? Where can people find the books and the rest of the merchandise? Yeah. So all the merch isn't necessarily on the website, but most of the stuff is on the website. Uh, it's orphanbloodline.com. Pretty straightforward. And then when I'm doing a Kickstarter, it's orphanbloodline.com/slash/kickstarter, obviously, and that brings you to the Kickstarter. <clears throat> I feel like what I have put together when it comes to a full package is pretty thorough with the source book has a 20 page section of coloring book in it, which is fun for a lot of people. Oh, wow. Um, you, you have the tarot and, and the buttons and, and the bookmarks and the stickers and all that stuff. That's just really cool to have as like merch along the t-shirt and such and the Nintendo game and the rub. I feel like these things are kind of simple and inexpensive to gather as a, as a creator. So I, I ask those creators who are out there, put merch uh, a little bit higher in your in your bailiwick. Try to get a little bit of things on there along with your book because you can upsell these in add-ons or in packages, and it, it works really well. Also, something else to sell, which is what I do as well, is I put the PDFs, book one through six, and I sell it for 23 bucks. So if you're buying my first three books, you can just buy all six right now for 23 bucks, and then as they come out, I'll send them to you. So it's a pre-sale of the of a pre-kickstarter i haven't even done kickstarter for yet but you can still do it you can still buy the full set right now that's something that gets money in, in the bank today for those creators who need the cash to create which is what ambrose asked earlier which is how do you do it if you can't do kickstarter well we can do kickstarter and uh one way is to you know really forward load the money by pre-selling the whole graphic novel if you can if you feel like you're confident you're going to produce and you're not going to shaft people then i think it's a great way to, to move forward so these are just some of the ideas I have. And we, we tried at Orphan Bloodline to be incorporative with what other people feel is important. And that's why I threw out the, the idea of these indie comic awards. I think we should do it. I think we should put a stamp of approval, you know, like Nintendo did with these gold stickers. There you go. A stamp of approval on this. This is certifiable uh, pro work in the indie community. And I think the artists and the writers and the editors and the letterers who are doing that book that sold to you know, a hundred buyers on Kickstarter round three, I think they would appreciate getting that recognition. And if we don't have an indie comics award for the Kickstarter crowd, like we all are, then our stuff is not going to be segmented away from all the rest of the Kickstarters. And a lot of people don't want us to segment. They don't want. They want all of it's good, all of it's great. But guess what? 
it's not all great. Even my books are just, I think they're good, but maybe they're not great. You know, who knows? And that's where the judging, the professional judging should come into play. And guess what? If I can get some critique from them, I'll be better. I'm actually a professional barbecue judge in my, in my hobbies. And when you're judging barbecue, not all barbecue is great. I'm a professional chili cook-off judge. Wait a minute. I don't believe that. You are way too skinny to be a <laughs> professional barbecue judge. No, but you got you to have the cornbread and the biscuits, man. You got to have the whole thing. I went in Maryland, to, uh, they serve white bread for some reason with the barbecue, and I never understood it. But that's neither here or there. I threw um, one <sighs> of the best chili cook-offs in the whole history of St. Louis. I'm not joking with you. We had professional chefs. We had breweries. We had all these really premium creators there. The stuff was fire. And it was not even that hot sometimes. But sometimes it was fire, too. Uh, I went to my church chili cook-off, and literally it was disgusting. So there is better and worse. And we can say that. And that's okay because the barbecue guys I'm judging, when I give them their feedback and I say, hey, this was the wrong and this was the right, Hopefully next time they make it better. And isn't that what we want to tell our creators? Isn't that what we want to give them some feedback? Do we, or do we just want to say everybody's good? Everybody's a winner. Everybody's fine. I don't I don't agree with that. And I've gotten a lot of pushback on this Indie Comics Award idea. People saying, don't do it because you hurt people's feelings. And how can you judge art? There's no judging art. Art's all good no matter who it does. It's always great. I, I just don't think that that should be the way it is. But Whoever I, said that hasn't seen Velma. <laughs> exactly. exactly or gotham knights exactly well, maybe uh maybe gnn wants to be a backer on the indie comics awards i'll be working with you guys if you want to don't give me on the air if you don't want to but um, speaking idea. of which before the other people ask their questions i wanted to know what my my normal job with gnn is i'm i'm a writer and i'd like to know if you'd like to one day sit down we can correspond and i can do an interview with you put you in the spotlight on the site would you be willing to do that absolutely, absolutely. okay i'm not going to give my email on the uh podcast but if you sure. contact will or david they can put you in touch with me or cat even yeah and um they can put you in touch with me and we'll we'll get something set up i i appreciate that i appreciate the offer thank you for reaching out on that i'll definitely do it i was just this month uh comics illustrated the new comics magazine for the indie crowd their issue cool. two came out this month and they uh had me as one of the the guest article writers so you can get my article in comics illustrated this month which i i, I love those that, that whole project you know trying to bring light to the indie market not caring if it's you know Iron Age or not Iron Age or whatever the crap that's going on on Facebooks or socials. They're just putting stuff from the indie crowd out there and and trying to boost the indie industry. And I, I support that. And last question, awesome. um, where can people find you? Uh, well, the best place to find me is Facebook. I'm uh, very easily reachable. Uh, people that call me on my cell phone, I always answer the phone. My wife gets mad at me because she does her phone screening stuff, and I just refuse to do phone screening. So if it <laughs> rings, I answer. If people message me, I talk with them. Uh, I get a lot of Nigerians, happily, <laughs> messaging me. I'm the same way. Pro tip, if you answer and you think it's spam, answer in a low voice. Be like, hello, because the bot won't pick up on it. Okay. And if you have silence, you can hang out. Just be like, hello? hello. I like that. I like that. <laughs> That's a, you, right. have a, you have a hack there. 
Yeah, well, hey, guys, I really, really, really appreciate being on here. It was a great conversation. We went all over the place, which was good. I'm glad we didn't do tell me about Orphan Bloodline the whole time because, you know, what? that's kind of boring. We had a good conversation, and I'm happy to come back if you'll have me. I'll do the sure. – uh, I'll talk with Ambrose offline. And thank you so much for supporting uh, Indy in, in general because we need to have more outlets. And if you want to do the Indy Comic Awards, we'll name it something great. I don't have a name yet, but I want to uh, help – put a spotlight on great great stuff and hopefully we this can might be the vodka talking but what about the indies has that been done already i don't know it sounds like it's been done already <laughs> but or it's good the indie comic awards <laughs> <laughs> sweet simple and to the point i like the indies i'm gonna check it out right now hey thanks guys for letting me on Ray larson will not be here <laughs> oh, that, that's the best title ever. That's the best title ever. I agree with that one. <laughs> Rick, thank you for joining us, man. We do appreciate you. Yep. All right. See you later. Take care now. Take care. Good night, man. Take care now. Have a good night. All right, you guys. That was interesting. That was a real good interview. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Um, a couple of things I want to get to before we did roll out tonight. Shaw, you still with me, brother? Yes, sir. I'm right here. Shaw, mad as hell at me. <laughs> Oh my God! I forgot. Shaw, man, you got the patience of a saint. <laughs> that damn will. <laughs> anyway, this is a we will be canonizing him later. <laughs> saint Shaw of there's the Geekers now. <laughs> there's a few things I did want to get to before we ended the show. Um, go ahead, Shaw. Tell us the, the first thing on the lineup. All right, so we got some two um, people pass away: Matthew Perry and Richard Mall. Picture number one, and then picture number two. Yeah, that kind of sucks. Yeah, you know, the, the the Matthew the Matthew Perry one really really uh, stings. I wasn't a Friends fan. I never found Friends funny. But when someone goes through what he went through, and you strive to be a better person, and you work to help people, and 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 you work to get people away from the path you took. And and uh, your mission gets cut short, and you know it, it, it just that one hurts. Now that you know that's that's a good person that uh, you know didn't really like his work, but he was he was uh, for all intents and purposes a good person, and uh, it's a shame that he can't carry out his mission now. So, and this you know. is and this is Richard Mole. Oh, that's the guy from Night Court. I didn't recognize him with hair. Yeah. Yeah. That's him. Mm -hmm. Another great talent. Yep, yep. I didn't I, more, I guess I didn't realize he was Two Face's voice. A little yeah. more understandable because he's older, but all the same, you know, it sucks when anyone that people looked up to and uh and um enjoyed died dies. So mm. Real quick, too. Um, another thing I want to get to under breaking news, and this kind of made me a little upset. Superman and Lois has been canceled. The series will be coming to an end after season four. How are we going to know if Lois recovers from Superman's cancer? <laughs> what are we going to do? This, it made me. Thanks, upset. William. I'm going to need another fucking bottle of vodka to sleep tonight. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, man. I, but I, I, gave, I, I gave up on the Arrowverse after season it, 
like six of the Flash. So it, it just makes me wait. Mad. Was it, it didn't even take Batwoman? It was season six of the Flash. <laughs> um, the Flash. The Flash was all I watched. I mean, I mean that was it. I am a oh woman. My <laughs> oh my gosh! You didn't watch Supergirl or Arrow. The or... only time the only time I watched any of the other ones was when they had the big crossover of big crossovers. Yeah. So you had Infinite Earth, Crisis on Infinite Earths, and uh, Flashpoint, and mm-hmm. there's one or two well, other ones. But I've got to say, if you Gotham Knights was revolutionary television making because the fight scenes defied too. physics, like you'd punch a dude in the face and he'd end up behind you, and but you'd be like, part how do you do that? No. <laughs> But How do you do that? But it wasn't part of the Arrowverse, though. You can't really complain about it like that. It was terrible. Gotham Knights isn't part of the Arrowverse. I mean, it's the no, CW. It's all no. crap. Mm-mm, it's not part of the Arrowverse. I mean, you could believe it still sucked. I mean, you're right I mean, about that. I mean, you know it's bad when a network has shows and you see something bad and it's like, it looks like a CW show. Um, <laughs> the other thing I want to get into real quick I thought was funny. He ain't do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he ain't do it. I mean, if Nicholas Cage doesn't own up to something crazy like that, <laughs> you know he didn't do it. Uh, oh, I, mean, uh, I think the path towards saving Star Wars is to feature Nicholas Cage as an unhinged Sith Lord. And, and I think thing, it would just draw people to the box office. My 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 question is, I, okay, so I haven't seen Flash. I mean, even though I can watch it for free on HBO Max, I still haven't watched it. Did did, did the Nicolas Cage Superman make a cameo in that movie? What they did was, and I'm not, I'm not dumping on the movie. This is legitimately what they did. The VFX department was so lazy. They pulled clips off of YouTube from the from the making of movie or the from the making of, from the making of movie from even Superman 1978. They didn't even go to Superman 1978. They pulled clips off of YouTube and inserted them into the movie. That's the why it looks so crappy. Yeah, they did the same thing with um when they because you saw the original Superman and the original Supergirl. Those clips. Were That's why Christopher movies. Reeve was like blue. Yeah, it wasn't because he's dead. It was because they were lazy. It was terrible, man. It was terrible. Um, another thing that I wanted to get into before we get out of here for tonight: um, Justice League Crisis on Infinite Earth. We talked about talked about that earlier. Part one is is listed as releasing on January twenty fourth. Shaw, do we know what <clears throat> media that would be? Would it be? Uh... It should be DVD and Blu Ray okay. and such. Okay. But it's going to be on Max. It, I was going to say, how how soon will it be on Max? At some point. Normally, they, they wait like a good couple months before okay. putting it on Max. Because my wife has banned me from buying physical media, and I'm so mad about it. The only physical media I buy anymore is Star Wars. So, And, the, stri- last, stream- and the very last thing I'm going to get into for a real idea for the night. The newest team of Magic Universes Beyond is collaborating with Marvel. How? Dude, I feel so bad for Magic. Good lord. Why? I played, okay, I'm going to... I played Magic in high school. And even then, when I played Magic in high school, it was already up to like... 
version three or four, maybe. I don't remember. Magic the Gathering has a enormous following. It yeah. does. It really does. It's surprising. I, I don't. Yeah, I, I, it, this is confusing for me on the, you don't, on the, you don't, see I don't even play magic and magic is magic is an entity and all on its own. They don't need Marvel. So, I don't, but here's, here's the situation Hasbro recently purchased Wizards of the Coast, and part of that deal came with it Magic the Gathering. So, this particular year in particular, they have had all kinds of we'll call them unique mashups. Yeah, they did a Doctor Who collection. Mm-hmm. Um, so these bands. these obviously would not be sets that you could intermingle with your original Magic the Gathering sets. These would be more like standalone. Mm. So um, is so, this a case of not being able to leave well enough alone? Because Magic in itself is is it prints money. Well, but see, you, now now you've got magic that prints money, and if you put Marvel faces on it, it's going to print even more money because then yeah. you'll be bringing those Marvel fans over. Same with the Harry Potter launch co- collaboration they did. Jurassic. They Park. did a Harry Potter one. Yeah, that's uh, all right. I'm pretty sure it was Harry Potter. Whatever. Yeah, um, lots of things that they've kind of mashed up with it that don't. I mean, from the standpoint of someone who plays Magic the Gathering, they don't make sense. Because, I mean, I've hopped in and out of it since... I mean, I played original Magic the Gathering. It, yeah. it really doesn't make cards. sense to me because I don't play Magic the Gathering and I don't really play D&D, but I know a lot of people that do both, and it's like... Well, it's they don't like care. Magic, magic is completely different. Yeah. No, 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 but I'm saying it's... When you when you try to infuse these things with D and D and magic, the people that are there are there. You have you have a captive audience. I don't understand why you're trying to meddle. Right, but to David's point, if you have Marvel fans, even if they don't play magic, they'll collect the cards. They're gonna buy it to collect the cards. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. That's the thing. Yep. Yep. I used to play. It'll be a collector's Lord item. Of the Rings, Lord of the Rings was another one, which Lord of the Rings kind of made some sense. Well, so did Harry Potter. A little bit, yeah, because you had the magic element. Yeah. But yeah, but you have people that they're they're doing some of these. Um, there's, I believe, going to be a My Little Pony crossover. <laughs> you get um, a bunch of old men on that one. Get, yeah. get the bronies after it. Oh, where's Tyler? So they're they're going for <laughs> for the people that are not even going to play it. They're just going to buy the Tyler. Damn, man, you caught me off guard with that one. Sorry. Tyler, Tyler, you're talking about my little pony. Oh, you bronies, boy. We love you, Tyler. I'm, I'm just, I'm just razzing you, man. Man, um, like I say, it, ooh, the way things are nowadays, it's just crazy. I used to play this old game called Versus System, and I loved it. It's based off DC characters, and I loved that game. Then it got all of a sudden, I guess, the prize pools got too big because people went to like $10,000 for winning a tournament, winning $10,000, getting um, Sony PSPs and PS Vitas and stuff like that. So eventually the game just went broke. But um, I still collect the cards. I just go to eBay and collect whatever card I want to get. But yeah, card games that card games are just sick right now. Uh, Pokemon is always going to be strong. 
Yu-Gi-Oh. Yu-Gi-Oh is huge. I, I still play Yu-Gi-Oh to this day. Um, Pokemon so, still huge to this day. Yeah, it's still yeah. huge. Still, it's, still huge. it's insane. It's it, 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 crumble to the ground and just be like, "We're not dead. We got Pokemon." That, yeah. the, the, <laughs> the the main things you see. At, I've I've been to two Comic Cons this last month, and the main things you see, you see Pokemon and you see those Funko Pops. Yep, and yep. that's that's like the two biggest thing. I mean, Star Wars, no. Star Trek, no. Marvel, no. Funkos. Yeah, Pokemon. Oh yeah, we got Pokemon. We got Pokemon for days. Man, we need um. Man, it's just man. Ooh, I I need to go to another con. Hopefully, I go to a better one than the last one I went to. The last one you couldn't buy anything with um on your debit card. You had to have cash, and there was no ATM around. So yeah, ooh. next year if you can travel up. I was gonna say the last I, um, the last quite a few that I've been to have been cashless. Mm-hmm. I missed Awesome Con because of my knee. We all have my well-documented knee blowout. When it happens this year, if you want to travel up, we can do that if you want. Cool, it's in cool. D.C. And I missed Anime Weekend in Atlanta because I don't have any PTO to take it, but I'm going to catch you 2024. Trust that. Um, all right. Let me see if there's anything else here. Um, Insomniac has confirmed that Marvel Wolverine will take place in the same universe as the studio Spider-Man games. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. That's brutal. And you know, you know, Disney hates that. And next week we'll have Shaw. He was supposed to do it this week, but couldn't quite get to it. Next week we'll have Shaw do his PS5 review. Um, and also tell us a little bit more about the Spider-Man games he's played to it. You, you finished it, right, Shaw? Yep, finished it. All right, cool, cool. Hundred percent complete. Yep, hundred percent complete. Wow. Wait, did you play? Did you play with the? You get damage from falling. No, why would you want to do that? <laughs> you can't get hundred percent complete that way. Freaking, no, I already have hundred percent complete. Freaking Spider Man, why would you get damage from jump from dropping? You're Spider Man. Because you're a spider, and and you and you, I don't know. How do you get powers from being bit by a spider? Okay, then. I get bit by a spider. I break out in hives. It ain't the right spider. Yeah, it's not radioactive. <laughs> it's not radioactive. It's just a regular. Spider. I get bit by a radioactive spider. I get cancer. <laughs> yeah, for the record, the amount of radiation that that spider had is probably less than my husband has, and so he doesn't have superpowers yet. So I wonder if that is. I wonder if Lois. They'll never do this because it was canceled. But I wonder if Lois was cheating on Superman with Spider Man, and that's how she got her cancer because the radioactive idiot. spider, the radioactive spider juice got in her, and now she didn't get spider powers. She got cancer. This is disrespectful for you to say something like that. That's just disrespectful to Lois. How is it disrespectful? It's a hypothesis. You would never cheat on Clark. Especially with someone from the Marvel Universe. They're both reporters. They're all reporters. They're all reporters. It's a very fraternal fraternal community. You know, they could have been mingling. And she'd be like, that's great, Clark. Oh, who's that dork with the glasses? I'm going to go hang out with him in the coat room. And then she gets cancer because he had radioactive spiders. You, you know what? I'm I'm gonna God, this just because at the last con I went to, I bought the DC versus Marvel, that little four series uh, set mm-hmm. that came out in the mid nineties. Mm-hmm. And Peter Parker was working at the Daily Planet in that, and he kind of had a thing for Lois Lane. Ooh, uh, that's true. 
That's part of the anagram universe. I got you. I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I didn't even know that. Yeah. And I called it. Because I'm still thinking with my, with my theory that it was just bad writing because <laughs> oh, yeah. Superman is radioactive. Uh, cat, today's level, Hollywood, there's no such thing as bad writing. You're just uterine a cancer, not breast cancer. Mm. There's, there's there's no such thing as bad writing in Hollywood anymore, Cat. You just don't understand. You're just you're just a misogynist, but you're a girl, so it's internalized, and it's understandable. You can fix yourself. All right, let's go ahead and get this. Let's go ahead and get on out. Let's go ahead and get on out here for the night, real quick. What is everybody up to this week, David? I'll start with you. Uh, MCU Mondays. We're doing Loki season two, episode five. Uh, Thursdays is uh, yes, Canteen Happy Hour. We are on Mandalorian episode four, I believe, season two, episode four. Mm. So come play with us there. All right, I think, that's, okay. I think that's it so far. Okay, uh, Shaw, what you got going on this week? Um. Same old, same old. Nothing really new this week. Cool, cool, cool. Ambrose, what you got going on? Uh, I got a couple things. Uh, part two of my um, piece with Universal possibly purchasing Warner Brothers. That's going to definitely come out this week. It kind of got delayed because, you know, it would have been overshadowed by all the Halloween stuff. So I had to hold off on publishing it. So look for that this week, probably Monday. Um, I'm writing a piece on the merger between Six Flags and Cedar Fair. Uh, the theme park landscape is going to change a lot in the coming years. So I'm working on that. That's that's going to be an interesting piece. And I also have recently gotten a gig. Uh, GNN has a Facebook page now. Uh, two new Facebook pages, actually. Alex Green is running the MCU uh, extravaganza on Facebook, and I am running the DC DCEU extravaganza on Facebook. And um, follow us. It's a place, you know, the Marvel and DC fandoms are some of the best fandoms in entertainment. We want to create a place for everybody to come and talk and have fun. So follow us. Uh, we're up to about 18 followers now on the DC page. I didn't get a count on the Marvel page. Um, but come out, hang out, voice your opinion, be respectful, and it's going to be a good time. So just check the page out on Facebook. All right. Cat Holler, what you got going on this week? Well, you know, with Geek News Now, um, of course, like we said, David went over the fact that we've got MCU Monday, Cantina Happy Hour. We're not going to have the Sith Dominion this week because um, the host is going to be out for a couple weeks. But that doesn't mean that you can't hop on over to our face, our YouTube channel, which is YouTube at Geek News Now Official. And check out any past episodes if you or if you weren't sure where the show existed to begin with. Um, one thing we've, of course, discovered, like so many of us folks that do have YouTube channels, is that a majority of the people that are watching our content aren't following us. They're watching it repeatedly, but they're just not following us. Yes. So if you're watching yeah. this right now on Geek News Now Official, make sure you hit that like and subscribe button down below, as well as that notification bell. That way you get notifications every time we have a new show coming up. Uh, we should have a new episode of Hobby Hut coming up. Um, I have a miniature I need to finish painting. Um, and I've also got two episodes I need to finish editing, but yeah, that's beside um, the point. So yeah, and we're and 
we also have a poll up on our GNN Greats Facebook page um, that is still going about hobbies you'd like to see done. Um, like we've joked on this show many times, my hobby is collecting hobbies. So, you know, just because it's not something we're doing now doesn't mean it's not something we might not do in the future. Um, so hop on over there, cast your votes, and you can even add to the poll if there are any suggestions there that you'd like to see that aren't already there. All right, guys. For myself, Kat, Ambrose, David, Shaw, thank you for being here for the Geek Guy on the podcast. We do appreciate it, and we'll hopefully be back again next week with our full crew. So if there's nothing else, thank you for joining us, and I'm going to make sure you guys have a great night, and take care. Good night, Janae. Later. Don't do that. It's just...